Okay, hello and welcome to this episode of Subtle Medicine. So today is just a little different. My beloved and I are sitting on our bed in our bedroom, very laid back, and we've recently celebrated nine years together. And so I had the idea that I wanted to really share about the the kind of tenets, pillars of lasting love, especially when it comes to being a highly sensitive person in a relationship with somebody who is not a highly sensitive person. And how do you navigate that? How do you navigate, you know, one person whose who's nervous system and just entire being is completely different and porous and has certain special needs and, and requirements? And beyond that, I mean, come on, in 2020, in these times we're living in, nine years together is a feat. I don't care who you are. So we are here, super laid back, unscripted, sharing just, yeah, the the main pillars of lasting love and what it's like to be a normie in a relationship with an HSP. So let's get into it. Hello and welcome to another episode of Subtle Medicine brought to you by innerspark.life by Devin Ray Battaglia. This is the resource for the sensitive soul looking to reclaim their power and reconnect to their magic through remembering how to trust their bodies, align with nature and cosmic flow, leverage their subtle energies, and transmute trauma and pain into gifts and purpose. Get ready to dive into all things holistic healing, natural living, conscious relating, epic life changing, and spirituality all steeped in earth-based wisdom. I'm the show's producer, Mike, and now here's your host, Devin. All right. Hi, babe. Hi. <laughs> so, as I said, just kind of sharing some of the main pillars of our lasting love that I can't believe has been nine years in the making and honestly just keeps getting better. Every day is better than the one before and everything that I have learned and experienced in a relatively short amount of time. Nine years is, you know, it's long, but in the course of a a long lifetime, it's not that long. And so, yeah, in no particular order, we just kind of jotted down what those were and, and what have been some of the biggest lessons and blessings in our relationship together. So I'm going to start with this one. Because whether I'm talking to clients who are single and looking for a partner or clients who are in relationship or just friends or whoever, the knowing of yourself first and foremost above all else is the most important thing. Doing your own inner work continually is the way to not only have a richer experience of life and the totality of your being, but to be of service to the world, to the collective, and to ultimately attract not just a romantic partner, but but anybody into your space that is of the most alignment and resonance for who you actually authentically are. When we're walking around with our ego masks on and our wounds and our coping mechanisms and having these undigested emotions and kind of shadow aspects of ourself run our life, we're not truly and authentically us. And that's why so many of us are unhappy in the lives that we're living and 
maybe with the friends or the partners that we have because they were they were created and attracted not from us right so knowing yourself and just as your partner is this amazing completely separate other person who's like a well of mystery and depth you are too so have that relationship with yourself and continually awe yourself and that's that's probably like the most important thing that that I could give you if you just like turn this podcast off right now that's fine because this is probably my number one pillar yeah absolutely I think uh I'm I'm trying to think about how to elaborate on this more and it feels like this whole episode could just be about the importance of knowing yourself like knowing yourself is fundamental to everything else that goes into like you were saying not just a healthy lasting romantic relationship but every relationship the people that you attract the people that are around you um and what what kinds of energies you're going to be dealing with you know uh everything else is an expression or an application of what comes from really doing your own work and being steadfast in your knowledge of yourself and the best metaphor that i can think of to illustrate this would be perhaps dancing if you're not secure in your own footing then the rest is pretty hopeless Mm. I like that metaphor a lot. I think another thing I'd like to add to that is that when you are more deeply in love with yourself and in relationship with yourself, it makes you more compassionate and open and um, accepting of others. When you've met yourself in your wounds and in your shadows and in your challenges, you inevitably have also met yourself in all of your beauty and gifts and and wisdom and grace. And that also makes it so much easier to meet another there too. Because as much as maybe people want to put others, their partner or whoever on a pedestal, we're all humans. We're all this beautiful mixture of finite and infinite shadow and light, wound and triumph. And so meeting yourself there really lets you be way more open and compassionate to that other person. Yeah, I think what what came to mind for me as you were you you were talking there was knowing your your strengths and your weaknesses and really knowing like when you when you know yourself well enough, you know where are the places that you can confidently take lead. And where are the places where you can trust your partner to do something maybe better than you could yourself? Like if I don't really know my um, where my blind spots are and I might not have all the answers to fill those blind spots in, but I can trust that you're probably going to have a better answer in this area than I am. Or, hey, I do know that this is something that is important to me or that I have a good grasp on and uh, you know I can choose when to be assertive or choose when to be more receptive and that kind of boundary placing and having that confidence to not get defensive or all kinds of other things and we'll, we'll probably get into those things later but 
you know, it all starts with having a really good um, understanding of yourself. For sure. Totally. Yeah, I love that. And like I said, continuing that throughout your lifetime, whether or not you're with somebody, it does not matter. Your relationship with yourself first and foremost, period, above all else, done, mic drop. The other thing, the other pillar to add to this collection of pillars. Can you have a collection of pillars? Yeah, sure. Why not? It's the pillars that hold up the relationship. Open, conscious communication. Okay. What does that mean? It's pretty buzzy nowadays, right? Like, conscious communication, non-harmful communication, da-da-da. And... Thank goodness, because so many of us were not raised with that, and I'm glad that these resources are out there. However, with kind of trendy or buzzy things, we lose the like magic and the beauty of it and actually like what it is and how to apply it to our lives. So like in a nutshell, don't underestimate the power of I statements and sharing your experiences. This really opens up a safe container rather than being accusatory or nitpicky or attempting to fix. That's not really open and it's not really conscious. So conscious communication is intentional. It's really being here, speaking from your felt experience, being in your body, being in the present moment, not speaking from reaction or from, you know, that kind of habitual... just kind of knee-jerk responses that we will give when we're triggered or when we're feeling defensive, none of that. So conscious communication is, you know, we can also think of this as like mindful communication, being very present, being very aware of your experience and sharing from that. You're not here to fix your partner or to nitpick them or accuse them. It's I, 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 I statements. Yeah, again, and that goes back to, you know, doing your own work and knowing yourself. And uh, it's kind of hard to use I statements when you don't know what I you're referring to. Um, In my own experience, I know that if somebody, anybody comes to me with you this or you that, my shields go up like instantly. And it, it doesn't even matter if the other person is right. Like if what they're saying it could be the truth or even at least a valid point. And I would still feel like I'm in a position where I have to defend myself against an accusation, even if that wasn't their intention. And the reaction can be so fast and so severe that I don't even comprehend the rest of the sentence. Um, so one thing that I statements are good for is helping to avoid triggering your partner's defenses. If you actually want to be heard, it's best if, you know, you, you maintain that low, uh, low alert status. And another thing uh, that I've learned about them is that using an I statement really helps me to keep a better perspective on the thing that I'm trying to communicate. And I phrase it in an I statement about how I felt or how I perceived something. And sometimes just doing that and saying it out loud can reveal like, oh yeah, this is a me thing. It's my perception and my perception is my business. Like maybe I can work on that doing my own inner work and it 
really doesn't require anything from anyone else at all. Yeah. I love all of that. And I also feel like they continue the conversation. A lot of times if you come at somebody with a you, you're doing this, you seem this, you whatever, it it's not like inviting further dialogue. Right, not inviting teamwork. Yeah. Yeah. And I know like I'll put myself out there and I'll I'll keep interjecting, you know, stories or personal experiences as we continue, but in the beginning this was something that was challenging for me. I came from a background, I mean, we, we both did, a background of a lot of trauma and dysfunction. And I would get super fiery and defensive very quickly. I'm a recovering, like, you know, kind of type A perfectionist, highly driven, impatient. And all of that was masquerading as like this tough exterior. But really, it was covering up a sense of, I don't fucking feel safe in the world. I don't trust the world. I don't trust other people to actually like show up or do what they're going to say or anything like that. So I would get very defensive and very accusatory quite quickly and throw out some of those like you this or, you know, just not sharing my own experiences and just a little shift. Like it may seem so just so simple that it's imperceivable, but just like try it on. So if you feel like your partner or somebody is being, you know, they, they, they seem down today instead of, Hey, you seem down today. Try, I'm experiencing you as being down. How are you feeling? See how that like opens up more dialogue. The first one is like, you just, you seem down today as like, I'm telling you that there's something wrong with you. You're vibe your whole whatever your existence in this moment is making me uncomfortable (laughs) making me whatever and it's it's just kind of like a you know go go fix your face it's not inviting more conversation if I say I'm experiencing you as being down how are you feeling I have not only shared how I am feeling and how I am perceiving this moment right now I'm also opening up the dialogue how are you feeling? Maybe he's great and I'm picking up something else. Or, and this brings me to a really beautiful point about being in a relationship with a highly sensitive person. <laughs> and I know a lot of a lot of you will totally resonate with this. We pick up on people's energy and moods and state of being physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, whatever, oftentimes before they even have registered, you know, like, that they are feeling something or that something within them has shifted. And that's something I know in the beginning. Now I'm calling you out, babe. (laughs) I know (laughs) in our previous years, in our early years, I don't, I don't want to put words into your experience, but it was, it was challenging for you would you like to elaborate on that kind of having somebody that could read you like oftentimes before you even knew what was going on or um yeah could like there there was no hiding you know like a bad day or or something like that and I know that we we butted heads over that because like I said in the beginning my thing was what's what's happening what's wrong da 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 
and getting defensive. And he's also learning how to be with somebody that is a highly sensitive person that can pick up on these imperceivable shifts in his state and his energy and his emotions. And so really learning how to navigate that and have it be a source of of strengthening our relationship and of deepening our relationship rather than a source of like, oh, Jesus, she wants to like, she's telling me that I'm, I seem this way again or, you know, oh my gosh, she's going to pick up on this again. And I'm grateful that we navigated that and that now it is really a welcomed a welcomed gift. I, I have dropped my defenses significantly in all aspects of my life and found more flow and my sacred spiral essence really through aligning with nature and seasonal and cosmic living. And if you would like to experience that magic, come join Root to Spiral Collective, just saying. But yeah, really finding that in myself and deepening my relationship with myself and the way that I communicate with others. And he's really come to welcome and embrace my gift. And then we also have boundaries in place. So obviously, if I'm perceiving something within him, he doesn't feel like obligated to explore whatever he's experiencing or share it with me right away. And he totally honors that and expresses, you know, not right now or I am feeling something or I'm still processing. And I respect that right back. I don't take it as this, this, you know, oh, I have to, we have to fix it or he's hiding something, you know, that weird kind of codependent flavoring that can certainly come up in relationships. Yeah, I know for me, early on, uh, some of the first feelings that I got from that was like, uh, um, almost like an invasion of privacy, <laughs> like... I think uh, most people are not that sensitive to notice anything in the first place. And those who are um, will, like, out of some sense of, I don't know, I guess just what we considered polite or decent is to, like, look away and, and ignore it and not comment on it. Um or, like, maybe if I'm putting off some kind of vibe that seems off, uh, you might perceive that and think, like, oh, well, he's in a fucked up mood. I'm going to keep some distance from him today. Um, but, yeah, like, being in a, a relationship with somebody who's, like, there uh, and sees you and cares and wants to know, um, it can be... Yeah, it can be challenging if you're not used to that. And it, again, it goes back to knowing yourself and being able to set boundaries, like you were saying, to to know when do I want to talk about something and share something or when do I not. If I don't have that clear sense of boundary, like, okay, this is a safe, clear, you know, good place for me to talk or, you know, hey, I haven't quite gotten there yet. I can feel like I'm being uh, pressured to express something that I'm not ready or comfortable expressing yet. And then even though that's not necessarily the case, it creates this experience of like, well, if I don't share or if I don't talk about it, then like, do I have to like push away 
create distance in order to um, protect this boundary when a healthier way would have just, like you said, to, to just talk about it and just say like, hey, yeah, I am, but you know, I'm not really uh, ready to talk about it or, or maybe later. I think that that is probably one of the biggest things um, when it comes to that dynamic of a uh, highly sensitive person and a non-HSP is um, having the space and the boundaries to work things out because there's there's going to be differences in perceptions, differences in experiences all the time, and there's no one hard and fast rule that is going to make everything okay that like oh as long as we go back to rule number one we'll be fine well you're going to have to figure out each situation as it comes up and as long as you have that trust because you know yourself and your your footing is good in your own practice and your partner also has that good footing well okay the next move could be a twirl the next move could be a backflip like we've got this solid foundation and whatever comes next will happen that's really beautiful. I hear also elements of the triangle and the spiral in that. The relationship is that continued safe container, the triangle, and the two people in it are both spiraling individually and together. And it is just a really, really gorgeous dance. And having that respect for each other's perceptions and each other's experiences as evidenced by your your conscious communication it gets to be fun because you you learn so much about how the other people perceive and experience the world and even even just uh how they perceive and experience the same conversation or the same event you know it's like you're you could have two totally different retellings of it and so just having that continued open dialogue and respect for each other's experiences. Ah, oh, so good. Okay. That's a beautiful segue into the next pillar, actually. So leaving shame, insecurity, fear of vulnerability, all of that shit at the door. Because life is seriously too short. And if you know that you really value and desire depth and true intimacy there's no room for that and it doesn't have to be like you know pulling the band-aid off or just kind of um like okay here we go jump on in because that can be really actually quite traumatizing to the system when we move too quickly and even after nine years you know there's still still things in this arena of shame and insecurity and fear of vulnerability that that we're moving through as i've shared before many times in my own history i have a lot of a lot of trauma with my body and with um body image and my shape and so even after nine years like there there are still pieces that I navigate and then those those thoughts will pop into my head if we're making love or if I am you know walking through the bedroom naked it's it's like oh 
oh, he's going to see me or this or that or my butt's jiggling or whatever. And it's like, dude, that's blocking what I value. And what I value is intimacy and depth and just how how rich of an experience can I have of myself and of him and of us together. And so obviously these things are here. And if we're doing our, our, our own work continually and showing up in that way for ourselves and deepening into the relationship with ourselves and also welcoming that open communication with our partner, those, those challenges can actually be sources of, of, again, continued intimacy. You know, we don't, we don't have to act like they're not here. We talk very openly about the things that we feel shame about or insecure about or pieces of ourselves that feel very vulnerable to to share. So again, those things, as painful as they may be, and you guys have heard me say this a million times, your your gifts are in your traumas, your challenges, your wounds. So they get to also in your relationship be sources of intimacy and deepening into that. And by naming them, they really lose their power. One thing that I'd like to to throw in on that before I ask a, a question is sometimes it can be scary to talk about something that you're insecure about because you might have some story that, well, if I don't talk about it, then my partner won't <laughs> notice it. Like that's something that, that we've talked about is, and it could be anything. It, it could be anything that you're insecure about. Anything that you think that you can sweep under the rug or maybe other people won't notice or if you point it out, then it'll be the only thing they see. <laughs> like one one little example is like my receding hairline. Like we've we've talked about that and I was like, oh, I didn't want to bring it up because then it'd be like, oh, you know, Mike, <laughs> I hadn't noticed, but you're right. You are going bald in a very unflattering way. So, <laughs> yeah, like that that's been my experience in uh talking about insecurity something that i hadn't expected was how strong that fear is that if i bring it up and talk about it then the other person's going to see it and fixate on it as much as i fixate on it and we and i i I just used a very frivolous little example of you know oh my receding hairline sure whatever but like we we've had some much uh so much deeper um, insecurities and and things that we've had to face and work through. And um, yeah, in my experience, that has never been the case that when you when you bring something up, your partner, when I've brought something, when I've brought things up to you, They've never been reflected back to me as catastrophically as I perceived them and vice versa. You know, sometimes the things that we say out loud to each other about ourselves, the other person either doesn't see at all, like how could we even be on the same planet that you perceive (laughs) that? Or like, yeah, okay, I see your hair is getting a little thinner, but it's not that bad. Yeah. And then it really becomes, I'm, I'm actually, I'm feeling emotional right now. I'm going to cry. But it becomes this, like, again, an opportunity to deepen intimacy because it's like, oh, I see you 
and me too, or I feel this way, you know, like, oh, I'm, I'm insecure about my hairline. Oh, well, I feel this way. And just like, it's like, oh, thank goodness. Like, yes, I'm not perfect. I don't have to pretend to be. You're not perfect. You don't have to pretend to be. You feel this way. And then we get to really just deepen and bond over being in these exquisite, beautiful human suits for limited time only, right? Like this is not forever. It's very precious and it's very fleeting and it's very short. And we get to kind of just like laugh about it. Like, oh yeah, hairlines recede. (laughs) Butts actually jiggle. Like, you know, I'm, I'm recovering from from PCOS and and I still get these little like whisker coarse whiskers on my chin and they're honestly probably my greatest physical body insecurity so there you you have it my beloved listeners and I remember when I finally years ago told him about it he was like I don't think I've ever even seen it and then one day because I just like had it and we were um having some intimacy one afternoon and I was feeling particularly low that day and it actually turned into me just kind of crying and really just venting on some things and I took his fingers and rubbed them over my jawline where you can totally feel the the little coarse hairs and that honestly was probably like the most intimate moment that we had had up to that point and it was really beautiful and let him see me in a way that wasn't classic Devin, you know, appearing to be all put together and and strong and soldiering on and muscling through and da da da. And it was just beautiful. And you get to bond over these bodies and the way they look and the things they do. And yeah. So leaving that shame and insecurity and fear of vulnerability at the door and just really asking yourself, what do I value? If I value depth and a richer experience of myself and this person and and really the like doorway into that can be through each other, how much deeper can I go? And just letting yourself go there more and more and more. So that brings me to the uh, the question that I, I mentioned earlier is how do you tell the difference between an insecurity that you can explore and and come out the other side through or um, a discomfort that is like a healthy and reasonable boundary like um we, you and I, we play little games like all day, and uh, <laughs> you know sometimes you'll you'll touch my ear, you'll touch the back of my head, you'll touch my the top of my head, and if I were like really insecure about the whole hairline thing, then like any attention around my scalp or the top of my head uh, would be triggering for me, and so how how do you tell the difference between a kind of triggering that is uh okay this is just me being insecure let's work let's work through this 
or the kind of triggering that's like, well, this is my boundary, respect it, which is totally cool. Like, it's totally great to have, you know, clear, uh, firm boundaries, but how do we decide when to re-examine those and invite our partners to re-examine those with us or tell our partners, hey, this is my boundary, don't cross it? Hmm, yeah. I think, so several things. One is that we are continuing to do our own work and being very self-aware and deepening into our relationship with ourself and knowing ourself. Two, boundaries to me are very fluid and they can be moved and they can be re-examined and, and they're not rigid, you know, they, they, they're, they're fluid. And so, yes, having an insecurity is going to make you have, have a boundary. Like, you, I'll go, go back to my chin hairs. <laughs> like, even to this day, even though, like, you clearly know about them, you will see me in the bathroom plucking them. Like, I still don't know if I feel really cool with you, like, walking up and, like, looking for them or, like, petting my chin. Like, that, that's a boundary for me rooted in my own insecurity, and I don't really like that. I think more important than anything, like, it's going to be case by case and incident by incident. And maybe even honestly, like, you're going to feel a little different week by week or day by day. And I think that it's so important to know yourself and to speak on it, like, in the moment. You know, if if, um, I'm right before my cycle and maybe I'm a little bit bloated and you come over and, and are giving me some love and put your hand on my like belly or my hip and maybe I have like a old knee-jerk reaction of like oh I'm fat right now I don't want him to touch me like it's up to me to to respond to that whether or not I'm gonna follow the knee-jerk reaction which I'm not perfect sometimes I do or I'm gonna you know pause and take a deep breath however in in whatever incident in whatever universe you know the millions of of possible outcomes for me what has really been really just beautiful is pausing in that moment and being like oh i'm feeling something right now and we take a breath together and then we share what's what's happening and it's that stuff the not so sexy stuff the not like quick fix Let's sweep everything under the rug and just be happy and have hot sex for the rest of our lives stuff. That really turns people off. Because that's not always easy. And it's not always, you know, fun. And I don't feel like I answered your question, but I don't feel like there's like a black or white answer either. Yeah, I mean, there's just a few takeaways from that are that boundaries can change over time. So first, like step one is you know making sure that you clearly communicate your boundaries to your partner and then after that once you know we've we've created that space where we can stop and safely take a breath and then we can examine the boundaries and see is this something that is just rooted in insecurity or sometimes trauma like you know just because this this episode is super real um a lot of my traumas from childhood stem from uh, violence, and so things like 
like shouting or certain tones of voice that as a child were cues to me that like something bad's about to happen. Um, those still trigger me as an adult. And that's something that you and I have talked about in, in communication and like why I communicate the way I do and how if you speak a certain way, I'm going to have this kind of reaction. I'm going to perceive it a certain way, even if you don't mean it to. Um, and so, yeah, like we, we, we discuss it. We're clear on it. You, we, you know where the boundary is. And then over time, we can look at it. I can look at it and change my relationship to it and let you know where I stand with it. But yeah, I think that what what you said, like there is no hard and fast rule. It's a case by case thing and it takes communication and it takes time. Yes. Perfectly said. Okay. Oh, this episode is so good. (laughs) Everyone's probably like turned it off by now. And I really don't give a shit because I'm having so much fun having this conversation with you. And I love you so much nine years right oh all right so a few more pillars that we're gonna touch on and yeah like again there's no order and there's no hierarchy it's just things that felt important to us and i'm sure we could make a whole other episode with brand new ones so the next one is respecting each other's differences of perceiving the world so that's for highly sensitive people with with non- highly sensitive people and you know I I didn't have this like growing up and with like previous partners you know I always just felt like fucking weird (laughs) just like there was something wrong with me I was weak I was weird why didn't I have the same like energetic stamina that other people did everyone else loved to like go out to the this or the that with the crowds and I'm like no wonder I was such an alcoholic because that was the only way I could somewhat enjoyably be in those spaces but I always just felt like just not belonging and that my my gifts which at the time I didn't see as gifts were not respected and yeah just like unreasonable right like I was told I complained a lot or what do you mean? I don't hear that or I don't smell that. I don't, you know, why are those, why do the strobe lights bother you at this place? They're just, yeah, constantly feeling weird and disrespected. So being in a relationship now where I'm actually like celebrated and, and like, (laughs) I don't want to make it sound like he views me as a science (laughs) experiment, but just like, almost like, you know, fascinated i feel like you're like fascinated you know we we had some some really crazy weather come through last night and i hadn't looked at any of the weather knew what was in the area coming but like i don't need to and i'm wondering if anybody listening can relate to that like you are a human meteorological system and i just looked at him and i was like i feel like the air is sitting on my head and on my chest and oh I just got dizzy like the pressure shifted we're definitely gonna get a storm (laughs) like sure enough we did power went out and everything and I think by now he's super used to stuff like that but even back in the day when it was 
different for him and he wasn't used to it. I never felt I never felt disrespected or weird. He might make cute little jokes and I never felt weird. So yeah, just respect and hold space for your highly sensitive person and don't tell them that they're crazy or they're imagining things that they're perceiving because it's real and they're perceiving it. Yeah, and as the uh, the complimentary part to that, as the non-HSP person that I am, um, I would say to all you highly sensitive people out there, because I feel like more of your audience is going to be on, on that side of the equation than, than not. Uh, on behalf of all non-HSPs, I beg you, um, don't shame them for like, not for failing to notice something um or because it it doesn't mean that they're not paying attention it doesn't mean that they are uh not interested or that they're not present just because something that seems obvious to you is to them imperceivable really um they're they're just not wired that way and i know that like i th- i think and maybe you can can elaborate on this more like the way our relationship with you being a highly sensitive person and me not being uh that sensitive for me your perceptiveness into my uh my energies my state of being my thoughts basically uh felt like an invasion of privacy it felt like okay most people don't notice and if they do they 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 look away so like come on um and obviously like we've grown past that but what was it like for you what what kind of frustrations did you have as a highly sensitive person that like i didn't notice that the weather had changed or like i wasn't <laughs> perceiving the things that you were perceiving I think that I'm just so used to it because most of the planet is doesn't doesn't perceive those things. Yeah. Like hearing tiny little sounds or knowing when somebody on the opposite side of the house upstairs turned a TV on or or sprayed Febreze. My my father lives with us and he has his own area like upstairs and it's just on the opposite end of the house and he had sprayed Febreze and I, I don't use chemicals and I had smelled it all the way downstairs in like the opposite place. So yeah, I'm just, I, I guess I'm, I'm used to stuff like that. Okay. So just two more to share. Sex gets better the longer you've been together. Nine years together and I fully believe that. I believe that it gets better and that it is the most profound portal for healing and really experiencing like the infinite, the divine. Yeah, I uh, I absolutely agree. And I I know there's going to be people who have been in a relationship for maybe like a couple years or so and they're gonna be like really it gets better with time oh no but uh i have a theory and it's pretty simple (laughs) 
everything gets better with time. Period. Maybe an asterisk, all right? So the asterisk is as long as you are doing your own inner work. And I know at this point, somebody out there is like, oh my God, do your own inner work. Like you've said that a million times. Yeah, sure. But here it is. Early on in our relationship, I was bringing my own traumas, insecurities, preoccupations, distractions, agendas, all of that, just baggage from all the years of being human and not being committed to my own inner work. So how much can I enjoy and be present for something as simple as a cup of tea or as big as a sunset or as incredible as sex when I have all those layers of bullshit between my consciousness and the experience? My consciousness and the potential of the experience could not possibly fully come together in any really intimate way because I just had too many buffers up between them. With time and with our inner work, we become more present for everything that life has to offer, including and especially sex. A young man who takes everything for granted is incapable of enjoying a cup of coffee or anything else the way I enjoy a cup of coffee. So it's it's really something special when you have a partner who is also doing their own inner work and is growing as a person right along with you and who can meet you in that real present intimate experience, the effects multiply exponentially. <sighs> yeah. That was perfect. And so true. I have nothing to add. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, uh, yeah, just the, the last point I want to make to, to wrap this up is about being with somebody who's also doing their own inner work is that it's important to respect the fact that your partner's inner work might not look like your own. Mm. I, you and I have very different practices. And to just give an example for the listener, uh, just pick one thing. You're more into yoga and I'm more into Zazen. And neither one of us tries to force the other person to do things exactly our way. Um, we'll invite each other to share a meditation or a practice, but for the most part, we encourage and applaud each other for the obvious dedication that we have to our respective paths. And we build each other up. And that has been really, that has, uh, has always been very important to me. That's something that you and I have done from the beginning is encouraging each other and supporting each other without trying to um, homogenize each other. And yeah, we've never done that. Yeah, no. And I'm, I'm really like glad. ever yeah. of all the shit that we've done <laughs> right. or and worked through. Like we have always from the beginning respected each other's autonomy and uniqueness and and differences and never tried to homogenize. Yeah. 
thank you for mirroring that to me. I hadn't like put that just so black and whitely. Like, yeah, yeah. From, from day one, that has not been something that we've done. So, but yeah, I really, and that, that gives us the space to grow as individuals and you're, you are always growing and I'm always growing and we grow in different ways, but we never grow apart. We always grow together. And that has been really important for me. It's very important to me too. And something that I think a lot of people don't realize is not only possible, but so rewarding and rich. I think a lot of people fear that the more growth and the more learning and exploring that I do, we're going to grow apart or realize that we're too different or this or that. And like, sure, I mean, maybe. Well, yeah. Maybe that'll happen. Yeah. Or maybe what'll happen is you'll realize how amazing and rich and deep you are. And then, oh my goodness, this person just like keeps getting better and richer and deeper and like mind-blowing. Yeah, and the the other way is a possibility too is that, you know, you continue your own inner work and you just suddenly look around and realize that like like yeah, this some that something isn't working out or something needs to change and uh don't let a fear of you know, I I stress like grow together, not apart, but it's also possible that as you wake up, you'll realize some toxicity is around you that you don't want to have anymore. And, you know, thank goodness that hasn't been the case between you and I. Uh, we, I think, I think we were in enough toxic relationships and environments before we met each other <laughs> that we, we knew very clearly what we didn't want. And so we were able to uh, move away from those toxic things and find a, a, a partner in a relationship that was healthy and happy. And to then cherish it and hold it so closely. Yeah. And also loosely at the same time. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, that was awesome. <laughs> and if you've made it with us, thank you. And that's all the time we have for today. Do you have anything else you'd like to add? I think this has been my favorite episode so far. I love you. I love you. Well, thank you for listening to the show. I would love to hear your feedback, your insights, your questions. So head over to innerspark.life slash resources to find all the ways to stay in touch on social media, as well as a variety of complimentary resources to support your path, including the frequency activation quiz, a robust blog, free courses, and more. If you're ready to dive deeper into the magic that comes from living in alignment with nature and seasonal and cosmic flow, I invite you to join the Root to Spiral Collective, where you'll be supported in community as you journey through Inner Spark's Wheel of Frequencies, along with the moons and seasons. You'll enjoy an eclectic blend of modalities to enhance your experience, ranging from shadow work, plant spirit medicine, herbs, plant-based holistic nutrition, ancestral healing, subtle energy healing, embodiment practices, expressive arts, seasonal living wisdom, and so much more. 
head over to innerspark.life for all the goods and I'll catch you on the next episode. So much love to you until then.